This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's get to Counterpoint. We've got a busy one tonight. we got Jillian Smith, conservative strategist and administrator over at Hill & Knowlton. Hello there. Hello. And Bob Richardson, senior counsel at National Public Relations. Hello. Good evening. All right. So I just chatted with a young woman, Claire McQuatt. She uh, came out uh, very quickly after allegations came forward about Mr. Clement, um, about the way he acted on social media and felt it was inappropriate. And I've been, you know, talking about this story today. Um, You know, I was actually quite dumbfounded that we had a part two to it, that there had been a warning last summer and that wasn't enough to, to stop it. But again, here we find ourselves with a second case of extortion involving a politician. And does this come up, and I'll start with you on this, Jillian, is this a situation where it's an abuse of power? Um, because this is, I don't look at this as a partisan issue. It doesn't matter what politics you play. This has been hitting all sorts of people. So today it's Clement. Next time it'll be Trudeau. The other time it'll be someone else. It's like, it, it, people are getting hit no matter their politics. How do you view this? Well, I wouldn't use the word abuse of power necessarily. I mean, it is uh, uh, not recognizing that one has power in the equation. Mm. Whether or not they're using it deliberately is another is another question. So if you have a, a, an interrelationship between a conversation between a 55-year-old and an 18-year-old, there is a differential of power there. Whether or not the 55-year-old knows it is another matter. Yeah. Bob, I mean, when you look at a situation like this, dealing with it strictly from, you know, the strategic and uh, the political side of things, the one thing I've noticed, and maybe it's just a fluke or maybe I'm just not hearing it, but what we haven't seen is this all in all political fight where you've got your opposition kind of throwing mud and using this to score political points. Why would that be? Well, you know, I think uh, I think. uh people in in glass houses shouldn't throw stones and i think i think to your previous comment i think you'll probably find instances of this in in all the political parties but i think this is also an opportunity as a learning moment um you know mr clement was elected in uh, in 2006 in 2006 there was no instagram there was no linkedin there was no um uh snapchat wasn't it there great was no don't you want to go there, back to that like the rotary dial phone <laughs> exactly there was no twitter yeah it, it, it was it, great it, it came in about three or four months later and facebook was maybe 18 months old mm. i am not sure in ottawa that we have for new members of parliament and we had a huge intake of new members of parliament last time uh guidelines that say here's what's appropriate to do on social media and here's what isn't Look, people have got to exercise common sense and judgment too, as well. Uh, but uh, but people have to. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure that there's any rules that have been set out for members of parliament or senators and others. And I think it's something that we ought to that we ought to have a really good look at. God knows there's rules in place if they're coming on with a broadcast journalist or responding to an uh, you know an interview from somebody from the Globe and Mail or something of, of that. Uh, uh, 
uh, type. So there should be also rules of what is appropriate for members of parliament and what's not appropriate for members of parliament to do oh, on social media. But again, it comes down to common sense. Like, well, honestly, yeah, I, it I does. think it does too. There's no question about that. And I'm not excusing that. But at the same time, you know, I was thinking about it and I thought none of this existed when a guy like him was elected 12 years ago. But what did um, exist, Bob, is it, we've always sense. told, yeah, and we've always said, don't say or write anything that you want to appear on the front page of a newspaper. Like the you next have day. to do the gut check. Like I've got a naked picture of myself. Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen? Like, and, and, and bottom line is uh, yeah. the rules are different if you're in the public eye. I mean, you just will not yeah. get a break. Yeah. yeah, no, there's no question about that. Let's talk about Doug Ford because he had to deal with his own staffing issues this week. And I think, you know, last Friday when we discussed uh, this issue, uh, Bob, certainly um, he acted very quickly in turfing uh, two staffers, including a minister. Um, and at the point, we didn't know the details of it, but it has since come out that they both were on issues of sexual misconduct. He made it clear, though, this. Take a listen. And uh, we, again, we take this seriously. I, I have zero tolerance for this, as I think I demonstrated on Friday. Within hours, they were gone. Done. Did he act fast enough, or are the critics right to say, well, we should have known immediately on that Friday what the allegations were? Well, I think I think it was a good week for Doug Ford, and I think he did uh, act uh, decisively on the issues. I think he's viewed as having done that. I thought he did a very good press conference. I think it was in Trenton or Belleville. Uh, where he addressed a number of these issues, including the issue of confidentiality. And uh, I would say that uh, overall, I'm not somebody who's usually beating the band for him here, but uh, I thought he uh, did a good job and I thought he showed uh, very good judgment. I thought he did too, Jillian, and, and, and whatever my politics be, I mean, the bottom line is he came out pretty definitively. Like, the firings were immediately immediately done, and the fact is we got an explanation by Wednesday where they were at. They're doing an investigation, and the reality is, you know, what else is he going to do? He did an excellent job. He balanced the needs of those he, he wanted to protect, and he acted decisively with those that were... were uh, consequences had to be ma- had paid. I mean, yeah, I guess if the public were at large, were in some kind of danger, then yes, you have to say something right away. But I'm not sure. It's kind of like this damned if he does, damned if he doesn't situation. So we'll see if anything else comes out. But nonetheless, it's been a tough week for them. Um, let's talk. Do I have time for this one? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this Uber driver um, who taped a conversation, as we all know, involving some Ottawa senators and then posted it. He's now saying it's the biggest mistake of his life. He has been fired. Uh, but here is the uh, cab driver um, explaining why he wishes he didn't do that. That's part the about their break-in is the fact that we don't even slow them up. Oh. No, never. They come no. in, like, blazing speed, too, and he's like, oh. Okay, so that's the soundbite of the players that they played. But nonetheless, um, Jillian, do we not have any right to expectations of privacy ever? I mean, is that just done? Well, I think there are two things. Like, one, there's there's passive surveillance of all of us everywhere. There are cameras everywhere. We're carrying our phones everywhere, etc. However, this was active taping. This was a choice to not only record surreptitiously, which is legal in Arizona, uh, but then to to post it on YouTube. So the the question is here, you know, here in Toronto, anytime you step into a cab, there's a, there's a, a sticker that says you will be photographed. It's mm-hmm. you 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 fair warning. 
don't do any don't uh, don't do anything strange in the back seat. Like don't get in drunk and do stupid things. Yeah, <laughs> that never happens. Exactly, exactly. But um, it, there is passive observation of all of us everywhere. So again, uh, be aware of the circumstances you're in. So in Arizona, know that they have the right to to photograph and videotape you at any time. Yeah, I don't know, Bob. I get I guess at some point. I mean. <laughs> The guy had an issue that he he went home and drank, and he said he didn't handle it properly, and he has regrets. But it doesn't undo the damage that's been done. I mean, at some point, corporations, I think, have to take responsibility and say, look, if you're in danger, that's one thing. But we're not going to be putting public photos up of our business and our customers. Well, let's, he puts the eye back into idiot uh, for number one. <laughs> so let's let's make that clear right off the top. So no excuse for, for his behavior. Two, you know what? Consumers can vote with their feet. If, if Uber's going to allow this to go on and I'm a regular Uber uh, user, then mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to move to Lyft or I'm going to move to some other service that doesn't uh, have this happen. Yeah. So I think it's inappropriate. It shouldn't be allowed. It's one thing to take somebody's picture, uh, which I completely support, and I understand that from a security perspective in case there's some problems later on. That's one thing. Taping people's conversation and drunkenly putting them online when they're having a private uh, conversation is outrageous. You should have been fired. They were right. They need to put rules in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens, but uh, not a great call. If you can't even get in a cab or an Uber, <laughs> Uber, you know, at the moments when you're the most vulnerable of drinking or having a good time and e- expect some kind of respect or privacy, it's, you know, where are we? Uh, just beware. Yeah. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that, you know, as taxpayers, we've spent billions on a Canadian loser called Bombardier. And we've gotten like next to nothing on our return for this forced investment. And now, of course, we learn they're cutting 5,000 jobs after, just after they were given almost a billion dollars in handouts from the feds and the province. And, you know, Jillian, we invest in, in in these big bailouts, whether it's the car auto bailouts that we got absolutely nothing back for. And then Bombardier, who is 960, I don't even, like they're so racked up, $9.6 billion debt. That They've been a loser for a long time and we get nothing back and now we don't even have jobs. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that crazy about putting tax dollars against private enterprise. However, when you look at the aviation industry, Canada is the fifth largest aviation industry in the world. There are 190,000 jobs that depend on the Bombardiers and their supply chains. So it's not just Bombardier. It's a whole yeah, huge a industry. Whole of, yeah, Absolutely. So the government of Quebec put in a billion dollars. The federal government put in almost $400 million. That was at a time where they were trying to get the C-Series jet over the finish line, and evidently they... They didn't. They wound up selling it to Airbus. But what they did is they preserved the ecosystem in which uh, the aviation industry, the aviation industry needs, which are thousands of engineering jobs, thousands of head office jobs. These are excellent jobs that this economy needs. We do need them, Bob, but it seems like when it comes to Bombardier, there's never any fine print. Like, they're never held to account. Like, if you don't get the cars delivered to Toronto within this period of time, there's this kind of penalty. We just keep doling out money to this company, and they either can't manage it or don't know what they're doing. Well, I think it was uh, Andrew Coyne who said, I wish Bombardier was good at making planes as it is at filling out government forms to get money. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, and I, I think there is a, a certain do, uh, amount of truth to that. The problem on this is I agree with a lot of what Jillian just said. 
and and we're not that different than a lot of other countries. You can argue that's bad, good or bad, but it's the reality of what's going on in the, in the marketplace in 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 that uh, in 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 that business. But but the real problem with Bombardier is we never seem to get any equity. <laughs> they never change their management. Um, it's a family that's run it, and they've run it into the ground on several occasions. And we continue to put in money, and it's the same old deal every time. And by the way, this is a nonpartisan issue. It was the same old deal under Gretchen and mm-hmm. Martin and Harper and now under Trudeau. And at some point or other, Canadian taxpayers should have more seats on the board, uh, more say in the management um, there should be less, uh, given given uh, given their performance, there should be less of the family and more of professional management running this operation. I, and I, I think that I think that's the number one concern that I would have. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, look, they must have pictures of of people with goats. Like they must have such good black because I can't figure out what it is about these governments that are so beholden to this company. But he, Mr. Trudeau was asked about this in question period, and and here was his response. Mr. Speaker, our hearts go out to the workers, their families, and the communities impacted by this morning's announcement. We're always concerned to learn about any possible job losses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, that that's spin. It doesn't address anything. And the bottom line is, taxpayers are out. F- for everything on this, the auto bailouts, every there's nothing in return. So moving forward, Jillian, what do we do? I mean, shouldn't they demand you fire everybody behind the scenes, implement a new board, new staff, new management, and then you can have some money? Well, that's or one way apply. to go. That's one way to go. Uh, but yeah, maybe taxpayers get Class A voting shares, just like the family does. You know, then yeah. just change the the the, the corporate structure. Uh, they did go a certain measure in in hiring Alain Belmar to do the, some of their turnaround. Uh, getting a different uh, non-family member managing in the in the situation, and what he's trying to do is deleverage the company. Doesn't uh, doesn't change the point that we've put 1.4 billion dollars worth of taxpayer dollar just dollars into year. that car. Yeah, just this year because it's but, uh, strangely on this issue. If I was Andrew Shear, I'd be looking over my shoulder. Yeah. I think Maxine Bernier has uh, struck a chord with a lot of people out there who tend to be center center right voters who don't like corporate welfare. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, this is a winning issue for him, mm-hmm. even though he's, you know, the member for the Bose. I think you would find that there were a lot of people that uh, would uh, potentially agree with him on this issue. Oh, I think a lot of people will agree. Well, if you get Tony Clement to run with him, maybe they get two party members and we'll see what they can do. Um, Oscar named, uh, Oscar nominated actor uh, Viggo Mortensen um, has apologized for using the entire N word during a panel discussion following the screening of his new film, Green Book. And the remark was said, uh, Bob, during a discussion about race in America. And I think a lot of people are saying, well, if if you're talking about it in context, and it's not like he just came out and said it, is there ever an appropriate time to use that word? You know, I, I read through it a couple times just to make sure that I, I have it right. And, and Viggo Morgensen, as, as far as I know, is a fairly progressive actor, uh, a very middle of the road kind of. He's a Scandinavian, mm. for God's sakes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, he was not trying to incite hatred or do anything like that. I think he was trying to make a point. Uh, it's probably not a very good idea ever to use that word. It's sort of like dressing up as a Nazi for Halloween. Don't do it. You know, there should be a list of top 10 things you don't do. That's on the top 10 list. Yeah, uh, up there with like but, tweeting out your I, junk or whatever else, sending it yeah, your junk. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there's there's another one on the list. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but 
you know, so I, I think this was a honest mistake by a very reasonable actor um, who has no history of doing anything that's uh, inappropriate uh, in regard to uh, comments on race. So I'm not sure we should go overboard on this one. Yeah, I tend to agree with Bob, Jillian. I mean, it wasn't he wasn't trying to go for shock value. He was not trying to be belittling or, or disingenuous. He was having an actual conversation. We've got a lot of people in the entertainment world who use that word whether it's artistic expression, but he was actually trying to have a conversation about the issue and putting it into context. He was, and it just seems as though his mouth got ahead of his brain on that one. I think that's right. Well, it's out there now, and the conversation's been had. Thank you both for sharing your time with me. I appreciate it on this Friday. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. That is Bob Richardson and Jillian Smith joining us here on this Friday. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.